with it being uh, a new year, uh, I don't want to uh, go back into our series, uh, The Gospel in Mark, yet. And contrary to our normal practice, uh, it's not a gospel sermon this morning, but a New Year's message uh, for us as the Lord's people uh, here at the Heath. And if you're tuning in uh, uh, wherever you are uh, this morning. And the message that the Lord has uh, laid on my heart is a few verses from the chapter that was read to us in Jeremiah uh, 29. A great chapter. And I will just read verse 10. Verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, to Jerusalem, that is. For I know the thoughts or the plans that I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts, plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Uh, what a year it has been. Uh, I'm sure we are glad uh, to see the end of 2020 and uh, we're just hoping that 2021 uh, will be different. And it was a bit like that to the people in Jeremiah's day. Uh, they were in exile a thousand miles from their home. Uh, they were in Babylon, uh, not in Jerusalem. Uh, they uh, were the people of God. Uh, but it seemed as if God was working against them. And uh, they were full of fear and foreboding regarding their future. Uh, I, I don't know whether you were a Christian or not this morning, but how are you uh, looking uh, at this new year? Is there anxiety and a nagging uh, doubt in your hearts. Uh, uh, was it um, Robert Burns? I can't do the accents, I'm afraid. The Scottish poet who wrote, The best laid schemes of mice and men go off dory. They go wrong, don't they? Ha however good our plans may be and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. Hasn't it been like that the last year? And we may be fearful of the future. Now, what do we need? My friend, you need Jeremiah 29. What Jeremiah is doing here is uh, writing a letter uh, to the people of God. Jeremiah, incidentally, is back in Jerusalem. He didn't go off to Babylon. And God has given him uh, these words of encouragement uh, to these people fearful people in exile and what you have in these verses is a letter not a letter uh, from a person uh, well yes a letter from a person but not uh, a human being it is a letter penned by Jeremiah but from God himself isn't that encouraging to have a letter from God wouldn't you like to have a letter from Jesus Christ 
Well, here in Jeremiah 29, we have a letter from God. And the verses we're going to consider, verses 10, 11, and 12, they're all about God's plans for our future. Do you believe that? That God has a plan for you and for me, for us as a church, for us as a people. And they are not the plans of mice and men. They are the best plans because they are God's plans. Now, all I want to answer this morning is why are God's plans the best plans? Maybe you have come here this morning and maybe you are looking at the new year with your own plans. I'm here to tell you about God's plans. That's the encouragement. Now then, I've just got two reasons to give you why God's plans are the best plans. And the first reason is this. God knows what he's doing. God's plans are the best plans because they're known plans. I'm stating the obvious here, uh, but look at verse 11. For I know the plans that I have towards you we don't know <laughs> that doesn't mean to say that we don't plan I don't want anybody leaving this um, service this morning thinking that what we have to do then is adopt an attitude of say Zerah Zerah you know and my French isn't that good but whatever will be will be we just sit back passively because God is planning everything. I don't have to do a thing. No, that's not right. Uh, if, for example, you read the book of Proverbs, it is full of uh, the need for us to plan for the future. What's Jeremiah talking about then? Well, what God is saying to his people here is it's your attitude that matters. So we plan for the future, but we don't do it trusting in our own schemes. We're looking to God because only He knows. Only He knows. Now, there's a verse in Deuteronomy which says this. I'm sure you know it. The secret things. Do you know it? The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things which are revealed belong to us what does that say it says this the secret things and there are so many secret things in the future we just don't know only God knows uh, there was an article in the times yesterday by uh, one of the consultants here in Cardiff uh, who has been sharing his experiences of treating uh, COVID patients and he put it quite bluntly he said one of the most important things we can say is I don't know I don't know. And for us as believers, we're not good at saying that. We can be so arrogant thinking that we know everything. But the secret things belong to the Lord. I don't know what the future holds. You don't either. But the things that are revealed are ours. So God, what does that say? God in his word has quite clearly revealed things to us. And when we're talking about God's plans toward us regarding the future, 
it will never go against what he has revealed. Yeah? So if God is telling you to do something, or if a door opens, as we say, in God's providence, and going through it means that you're going against what God has revealed in Scripture, then that's not God's plan for you. So we've got this uh, roadmap, if you like, for us uh, as we look to the future. Uh, in the children's talk, I mentioned the cats being rescued. And so when it comes to our salvation, we, as it were, uh, submit, don't we, to the revealed uh, plan of God. We, uh, before we were Christians, were saying in our arrogance, I think I know how I can save myself. I've got a DIY religion. Uh, and what happens when the Spirit works in us is that we see that we can't do that and that God must save. And we are shown in the Word that it's through Christ alone we are saved. And so we cast ourselves on the Lord. But that doesn't stop at the moment of our salvation. We then trust God for everything else. How long have you been a Christian for now? Months? Years? Decades? You can say, all the way my Savior has led me. So, the secret things. That's what we're thinking about this morning. The future. The people in exile. Worried. Us. Concerned, maybe. What will happen to me? Will I get COVID before the vaccine? What about my family? What about my job? What about my church? What about our country? We don't know. Only God knows. God alone is omniscient. Believe it or not, pastors are not omniscient. Uh, sometimes people think that pastors have this uh, secret knowledge uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, makes them know everything about people. I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Only God sees the end from the beginning. Only God sees your hearts and my hearts. So we trust God. We don't sit back. And what did Oliver Cromwell say to his soldiers? Oliver Cromwell, one of the greatest military leaders and political leaders that this country ever produced. What did he say to his soldiers? You know the motto, trust in God and keep your powder dry. That's the way. Trust in God and plan for the future. So how are we going to do that? God knows. Uh, that's why we're having a week of prayer at the start of this new year. We're saying, in effect, I don't know but I'm going to trust in God's knowledge uh, for the future. And uh, I need to say this, uh, how we must be careful that we don't use prayer as uh, some uh, mystical uh, thing uh, in our Christian lives. Uh, we sometimes make our plans, don't we? Uh, and we just attach prayer at the end just to try and legitimize it spiritually. But we put the cart before the horse when we do that. What we should be doing is seeking God uh, as uh, uh, 
the prophet says here, uh, you will call upon me. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your hearts. We seek God's face for the beginning of uh, the year. And we lay ourselves, as it were, uh, before him. And it's as we do that, that he then directs us. Uh, We pray and seek the mind of the Lord. We don't think God's plans first and then pray. The secret things, they belong to the Lord. So life choices. Are you going to have life choices this year? Where am I going to work? Where does God want you to work? Am I going to get married? Who am I going to marry? Who does the Lord want me to marry? Which university am I going to go to? Where does God want me to go? That doesn't mean we don't plan. I don't want you getting the wrong end of the stick here. But what's important is in our hearts, the attitude we have is what does God want of me? As a, as a church, what, what does the Lord want of us? Uh, there are many pastorless churches in Wales at the moment. And churches get themselves tied into knots because they're looking for who they want, but who does God want? Can can you see? It's a different priority then, isn't it? It's not about our choices. We, We all have our preferences. We all have our little plans, the best laid schemes. But what's God? What's his mind? And what are his plans? Are you ready to... Commit yourself to him. Uh, listen to this. Uh, these are words from Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When we look back, how often we can say, I thought <laughs> the Lord was leading me that way, but God had other plans in mind. Uh, God knows, God sees the end from the beginning. And sometimes even when our own plans are frustrated, uh, when God shuts the door, it's because he has something better in mind for us. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, the mission that Paul and Silas had in Asia Minor, and they really believed in their hearts that it was God's will for them to continue evangelizing in Asia Minor, that is modern Turkey. But God had different plans for them. He shut the door. We don't know how he did it, but he blocked the way, as it were, to further progress in Asia Minor. And we, looking uh, at that, would say, well, that's the end of the road for Paul and Silas. Uh, They're going to be frustrated as a result of it. But oh no, God shut one door in order to open another door. And we know what happened, don't we? The door was opened for the gospel to go into Europe. And as a result of that, uh, there was a great blessing 
upon uh, the spread of the gospel. And so, my friends, when I'm saying it's God's plans rather than our plans, I'm trying to encourage us here uh, because God is the one who knows. God is the one who sees. And, oh, if only we could trust him more as we sang in that hymn, God holds the key of all unknown. And I am glad, aren't you? We can relax if other hands should hold the key or if he trusted it to me. I will be sad. (laughs) Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ holds the key? Uh, In Jeremiah's day, uh, there were people, you see, who went into two extremes. Uh, There were people who were passive. They said, if God plans, then we don't do anything. Do you know what those people did? They stayed in Jerusalem. God told the people, you've got to go to Babylon. But there were people who said, no, no, we've got to stay in Jerusalem. It's the holy city. And when those people stayed, they were destroyed by the Babylonian army. They went to one extreme. But then some people who went to Babylon, they went to another extreme. Uh, You've got the details in uh, the second half of the chapter. I haven't got time to refer to uh, the details there. But you had Ahab and Zedekiah. Uh, They said, oh, this exile is taking too long. God said, 70 years, 70 years you will be in Babylon. And uh, they thought we should take things into our own hands. And they tried uh, to uh, force things through. And yet they were going to another extreme. They were running ahead of God. We can either drag our feet or we can run ahead of the Lord. May God teach us to wait on him. Not passive, active, but not to force things. Um, How did Cowper put it? Um, You know, Cowper had his share of sufferings, didn't he? Really depressed. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work, God's work in vain. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. God knows. Relax, brother, sister. Stop, stop. And wait, wait on the Lord. So that's the first reason. God's plans are the best plans because they're known plans. Uh, to, to put it a different way, Jesus Christ is our guide, you know? Jesus Christ, uh, the good shepherd guiding us. He knows the way he is taking. His sight is never dim. He knows. And the second reason why God's plans are the best plans is they're good plans. Uh, Look again at the verse. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the plans that I have toward you, says the Lord, plans of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Good plans. Now you may be asking, how can 
they be good if I am here in captivity. I am not at my spiritual home. I'm in the land of the enemy. How can it be good? How can it be good if we've had all these horrible things happening to us, such as COVID and lockdown and all the other disappointments in life? How can it be good if we're facing an uncertain future? I want you to look again at verse 11 especially. Uh, let me just read the words before. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Do you notice what words are being repeated? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future. I end of verse 12, will listen to you. I, I will. Not my will. I will, says God. I will cause you to return. I will gather you together. Uh, verse 14 I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away into captivity. Isn't that a wonderful future? Yes, at the moment the people are scattered, they, they are bound, but God is saying, I have a plan for you, the big picture, and that's what we have to do. Uh, my brother, my sister, uh, what we tend to do when we're in difficulties is get absorbed by them, and we just get dragged down then. But what we have to do here is the same as what Jeremiah is telling these people to do. Stand back, detach yourself, and look at the big picture. You know, that's, that's why... I think a number of us enjoy going up the mountains. Um, Gresham Machen has written a brilliant piece about mountains and why a Christian uh, should enjoy mountains. And one of the reasons is the elevation it gives you. So even if you climb a little hill like the Graig, you know where the Graig is above Lisbane? Even if you just get to the top of that, it just gives you a bird's eye view, the big picture. And I've often said, haven't I, you can cover your problem then with your thumb. The big picture. And what's the big picture of the Bible? It's not about our little lives and our problems. It's about the plan of salvation. Uh, I know I'm giving you verse after verse here, uh, but what about Ephesians 1? This is a summary of the whole of the Bible in one sense. Uh, Ephesians 1 uh, verse 10 says, this is the plan of God uh, for his people in Babylon, for us, his people in 2021. Ephesians 1 verse 10, that in the dispensation, that's another word for plan, of the fullness of the times, he might gather together, restore, gather together in one, all things. How is that happening? In Christ, in Christ. The people of God in Babylon were only looking dimly towards the coming of the Messiah. But we are looking with clarity at what happened 2,000 years ago as we've been celebrating Christmas. God himself 
coming in the person of his son, God himself, going to that cross and taking our sins upon himself, not just so that we could have a personal salvation, but God was reconciling the world unto himself in Christ, a cosmic salvation. That those who are in Christ, yes, are saved, forgiven, and have a place in heaven. But that's just the beginning. That those who are in Christ are left in this world, like the children of Israel in Babylon. They are in it, but not of it. In order that we might be changed into the image of his son. That's why God is allowing all these difficulties to happen so that we might be transformed, that the rough edges might be smoothed, that we might become more like Jesus Christ. And then at God's time, not before, not after, we will be called home and we will have a perfect soul. And then one day Jesus Christ will come back, not as savior, but as judge. And he will give us perfect bodies and he will create a new heaven and a new earth a perfect place. Ah, that's the big picture. Milton simply put it like this. Paradise lost in Eden when Adam and Eve fell. God's great plan is paradise regained. Are you in that plan? In Christ. Not out of Christ. There's no hope outside of Christ, in Christ. In Christ is not in the church. Uh, you can be in the church, a member of the church even. You can be a preacher even and not be in Christ. To be in Christ is to be joined by faith to him. Not having your own righteousness, but the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your hopes and fears are for 2021 but if you're in Christ if you're part of this big plan of salvation I can tell you with absolute certainty that you've got a hope in your future you know I used to live in hope you know that there's a village called hope up in North Wales, I was pastor in Cargurle, and the next village was called Hope. And the locals had a saying, which was a, a bit of their sense of humour, live in hope and die in Cargurle. I used to live in hope. And maybe you here this morning are saying to me, Pastor, I'm living in hope. Touch wood, I'm hoping that 2021 will be better than 2020. Pastor, touch wood. I'm hoping that if I was to die, I would go to heaven. Listen, my friend. I had a touchwood hope once when I was outside of Christ, when I had a religion, and it was no good. It was no good in Christ. However weak you may feel yourself to be, however sinful you may feel yourself to be, uh, however unworthy you may see, seem, because it's Christ. It's not a touchwood hope. It's a living hope. In the words of the Book of Common Prayer, it's a sure and certain hope. Oh, 
the plans of God are the best plans because they're good plans. They give us a lively hope. Uh, this is how uh, one commentator put it. Uh, his plans concerning his people are always thoughts of good, of blessing. Even if he's obliged to use the rod, it is the rod not of wrath, but the Father's rod of chastisements for their temporal and eternal welfare, then is, is that different then? You see, it gives us a different outlook. Uh, there is not a simple item of evil in God's plans for his people. There's not a drop of evil. Oh, listen to the Lord. Uh, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, don't we sometimes have a nagging suspicion that God is somehow out to get us? Don't, don't you sometimes have that? That even though you believe in your head that God is your Father, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, in your heart there are these doubts that somehow God is against you. And God is allowing certain things to happen to you in order uh, to... Uh, uh, draw you away from him, my friend. That's the lie of the devil. There's not a drop of evil desire. Everything God desires towards you as his child is good. Even the medicine. You know, med did you used to uh, be forced to take medicine as a child? Um, my mother used to force me um, to take um, certain medicines. I can still think of having to take cod liver oil. Ah, as we say in Welsh. But my mother would say to me, it does you good. It does you good. She wasn't doing that against me. She was doing it because she loved me. And God is allowing certain things to happen to you because he loves you. He loves you. Um, have you heard of Robert Shirley? I never heard of Robert Shirley till I prepared this sermon. <laughs> uh, he was um, uh, somewhere in England, uh, and uh, it was the 17th century. And if you visit his grave, uh, which is somewhere over the border, uh, you will read this epitaph. In the year 1652, when through England all things sacred were either profaned or neglected, this church was built by Robert Shirley, whose special praise it is to have done the best of things in the worst of times. Wow. You can do in the darkest of times the brightest of works because God is planning every detail for your ultimate good. Isn't it interesting? In uh, Babylon, in captivity, God says to the people uh, to build houses, verse 5, to take wives, uh, to uh, have children, uh, to be involved in city life, to seek the peace of the city. God is telling his people, in other words, to get a life. Isn't that what we need sometimes? Uh, we, we are so fearful of the future that it paralyzes us. And God is saying, look, I'm in control. 
and I'm planning everything for you, and it's all for your good, even the horrible things that you have to go through, like medicine for your soul, it is. So get a life, stand up, and serve me where I have put you. I think of Daniel. He was in Babylon, wasn't he? Daniel, do you, do you know what Daniel did? Daniel didn't just uh, wring his hands in despair. He, he was a, a bright pupil in one of Babylon's schools, so he would have been taught all sorts of things that were anti-God. He was uh, well-read in Babylonian literature. That's what we're told about Daniel. And he moved all the way to the king's court and was highly favoured by Nebuchadnezzar because he interpreted his dream. And in all of that, Daniel stood for God and he lived, didn't he? My friend, my Christian brother, my Christian sister, don't wring your hands of Cardiff or of Wales or of wherever God has put you. Serve God in 2021 because he has plans for you and his plans are the best plans you're not on a second-class carriage, as it were. We're all traveling in the place where God has put us. Do you know Hebrew? Do you know Hebrew? We had to do Hebrew in Bible college. We weren't given a choice. And you have to read Hebrew backwards, right? So you read Hebrew, not from the left to the right, but from the right to the left. Somebody said God's providence, God's dealings with us is best read like Hebrew. Backwards. <laughs> we try to read providence like English, forwards, and we don't know, do we? We don't know what the future holds. But then we read it backwards, and we can see all the winding turns of the road, and we can see, yes, God had a purpose in all of it. Uh, well, I'm coming to a conclusion, I promise. Uh, what does um, David Charles say? It's darkness dense of God's plans. It's darkness to us is but a radiant light. It's oft perplexing ways are ordered right. Soon all its winding paths will end. And then, looking back, the tale of wonder shall be told beyond the veil. Is, isn't this really what God is doing in everything? Preparing us for beyond the veil? Is, isn't this what God is working towards, that even in, like Daniel, when he was thrown into the furnace? Do, do you know what happened when the temperature reached a certain level in the furnace? Do you know who appeared with Daniel in that furnace? One who had the appearance of the Son of Man. That's the Son of God. And, oh, my friend, can't you say, when my trials have reached a certain degree, then Jesus Christ visits me. And he draws near to me. Uh, then, you know, the word then isn't the best word in verse 12. And you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. In Babylon, God is saying to his people, you can seek me, seek my face. You don't have to wait for 70 years of exile to end. Uh, you don't have to wait for revival, my friend. 
You can seek God now. This is why we're having a week of prayer. It's not a normal time of prayer. We're just clearing the desk, as it were, to seek God's face. Whatever's going to happen in 2021, God knows, and God will work good for you. And the best thing of all is to know him in Jesus Christ. Uh, there was a minister, since he put this in the public domain, I think it's right for me to read it. It's a Cardiff minister. He tweeted the other day, 2020 gave me a mental and emotional beating I thought I'd never recover from. Mercifully, and not for the first time, God pulled me out of the pits I was in. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, he went on to say, At my lowest point, I thought I'd actually gone insane. I thought I had failed as a husband and dad, as a church leader, even as a Christian. I thought I had failed or was failing in everything. However, that's what we can say as believers. However, I never once felt that God had failed me. And he mercifully hadn't. What a saviour. He appears. When the temperature of the trial is so intense, we feel like giving up. He comes alongside us. And he puts his hand on our shoulders. You know, I remember some old ministers. They used to do that with me. They used to put my hand on my shoulders. And it really encouraged me. Jesus Christ putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, fear not, fear not. Be courageous. I know best. Uh, we sang, didn't we? Maybe this is what we're about this week of prayer. Show me, show us thy face and I shall forget the weary days of yore. The fretting ghosts that eat at us of vain regret shall haunt our souls no more. All doubts and fears for future years in quiet rest subside and naught but blessed content and calm within my soul abide. Show me thy face and the heaviest cross will then seem light to bear. There will be a gain with every loss and peace with every care. With such light feet, hinds feet, the years will fleet. Life seem as brief as blessed till I have laid my burden down and entered into rest. It's not far to go. We've nearly got to journey's end. You know? And God is in control. He who saved you will never forsake you. He's guiding you. He knows best. And all his plans are good. Seek him then. Trust him. And just relax. Because he knows what he is doing.